know where you're going and know where you're at with the Onyx Maps Hunt app. If you're getting ready for the backcountry and for any of your hunting trips, mapping is an important tool. The Onyx Hunts map supports the Hunt Harvest Health podcast and is a great resource to help you learn your areas, units, and so much more. By using the promo code HHH20, all small H's, HHH20, you will get 20% off a new account. This means if you sign up for the new Elite membership, which is the one-year plan and that has the best mapping data for all 50 states, you're going to save 20 bucks on that uh, membership. You can find more, including this promo code, at huntharvesthealth.com slash onxmaps. Come be a part of the Train to Hunt family. I mean, one thing you'll take away from Train to Hunt is no matter how well you place is the sense of family. The support, encouragement, and friendships is what you will remember and take away from these events. So bring your spouse, bring your kids, your friends, and make it a family event. And it really doesn't even matter if you're a hunter or not. That's okay if you don't hunt. This event can help improve your strength, your focus, and your endurance. Really, it's just about run, shooting, climbing, and getting ready for the backcountry. Use the promo code HHH10 to get a 10% discount on your entry fee. Basically what that means is anytime in 2017, when you enter a race, you will get $10 off your $100 entry fee and at the same time will be supporting the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. You can find more information as well as the entire 2017 Train to Hunt schedule at huntharvesthealth.com slash train to hunt. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Doc Hillary, and I am here with Ryan. And we are driving on our way home from Oregon right now from the Oregon Train to Hunt 2017 that we that we all competed in yesterday. Ryan, myself, and our oldest daughter, Paley, uh, competed in the kids' race. And... Uh, we did a podcast last night with our interviewee guest who we're going to be introducing in this podcast. And I was so deliriously tired and hungry uh, that I left my power cord in uh, the shop there where we did our interview for our headphone amp. So we are recording this on a recorder but with an open mic. So if the background noise really bothers you, I'm sorry about that. It's just sometimes... You know, blonde moments happen, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and record. And uh, but we and we wanted to we wanted to share this podcast as soon as we can because I think it's just it's really relevant uh, to what's going on this week for our guest, as well as just share about train to hunt and and get people help motivate people maybe because <laughs> the season's coming to a close in one month. Yep. Right. So, babe, you wanna you wanna give a short rundown? Sure. Sure. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, yesterday's event, Gilchrist, Oregon, just a tiny little town up in the mountains, um, middle of Oregon there. And 
Yeah, we had a huge showing. I think we set a record. We had like 68 folks show up to this one, and um, it was a new site, which was really cool up in the mountains. Actually, uh, <laughs> we actually camped on a football field of a school, Gilchrist, and it had all this land behind it where we were able to set the course up and do the 3D shoot and do all that. And so it was different. It was unique, but um, yeah, it worked out really well. So uh, 27 children competed in this one. Like I said, 68 adults. It was a huge showing because a lot of people, um, just a perfect day for it minus the mosquitoes but we're all used to mosquitoes here in the northwest so so i think uh you know like hill mentioned it was her first event um i think she i think there will be many more in the future we're hoping she did great um she shot you know she's only been shooting for a month we got her bow a month ago so she shot as best she could and and did really well um, and then also, you know, she's been training, working out, doing a lot of the train to hunt workouts and a lot of sandbag stuff and running and things like that. But, um, kind of a recap of how the day went was first half started with a 3d shoot. We, uh, great group of, group of guys that I got to shoot with Mark Warnke. He was in there. Um, and, uh, man, we, <laughs> none of us shot phenomenal in my group um we all had our had our our blown shots i shot exceptionally poorly um which was i had i wasn't i didn't see that coming to be honest i i felt like i i was shooting as good as i ever have and then to hit a day like yesterday where i just shot like garbage i just i don't know just a mind mental thing i just couldn't get over and i just shot really bad um, but going into, after we did the 3d course, we, uh, took a little break, went into the challenge course. It was hot. It was, you know, felt like it was a hundred degrees. I think it was only like 73 degrees, but down in that blazing sun, it was pretty dang hot. Everybody's sweating, even if you weren't doing anything. But, um, so with all those competitors, it was a pretty long day. My heat was uh, kind of towards the end of the day, so I got really lucky. I was in heat 13, so it was, I didn't. I don't even think I started until what six, seven, probably seven o'clock or so that night. Whereas Hill started out right out of the gates. Um, she was in heat two, so I got to watch her do her challenge course, her shots, uh, her sprints, which were 0.37 miles per sprint. So there's four of those. Um, amongst the exercises and the four shots at 30 yards she did great didn't miss any targets didn't have to do any uh, any burpees penalty burpees um, and then uh, she threw the 50 or the 30 pound pack on and charged up the mountain I tagged along with her to kind of uh, push her and yell at her it's my one opportunity to scream at her and she couldn't complain about it um, so that was cool. Uh, I think it was about a mile and a half, maybe, maybe a little under, I don't know, but, um, she did really good at that. And she shot her two upper targets, uh, really well, hit them, no burpees. 
and uh, charged across the line at the end. So it was really cool to watch. Um, and then <clears throat> my heat, like I mentioned, was way later in the day. So, uh, you know, I got the luxury of the sun going down and it, it cooled way off some cloud cover. But Skeeters came out in full force. Uh, we, uh, we, I don't know, it was a good four of us uh did the uh, challenge course and it was a really good course i think we all did really well at it um we all gave everything we had and um then kind of to compliment me going with hill hill actually when i ended up getting through the challenge course and, and through the weight the 50 pounds on my back and grabbed my bow she kind of tagged along with me and and um yelled at me to go faster so it was cool uh I think, I think, like I said, I think we all did pretty good. And in the end, my poor shooting really kind of knocked me out of any kind of contention. But um, oh well, it was it was a great day, no matter. So I got, I think I got fifth place, um, and Hill got second place. During that, they had the kids event, which Paley. I don't remember how many kids were in her division. There was quite a few, and she got third place. So that's her second third place finish. So she's pretty excited. She's got two trophies, or cams. That's what they use for trophies. And uh, so, yeah, all in all, just a really fun day. We got to watch a lot of really cool people compete. Um, Folks that were brand new to it, folks that had been coming to these events and just watched their husbands or whoever compete but had never yet tried it um and then of course there's the old, the veterans that have done this you know numerous times so it was uh yeah it was it was really cool with all that many people it was there was a lot of a lot of heart out there um charging up the hills and running as fast as they could and a lot of sweat it was fun it's really not fun when you're doing it i mean if you're thinking about doing it don't think it's easy it is like really hard and yeah so it was it was great fun and i got to meet so many people and kind of bond in a new way because i was a a competitor now which is a bit different than being a non-competitor but i i think everybody has a part to play because the last couple train to hunts or the last you know year when we went i was always a um I was always a spectator and I was like the childcare person and helping and the Sherpa for food and this and that. And those people are just as important. Everybody has their part to play in it. And it was a great thing. And then, um, towards the end of the night, we, it was a very long day and we got done in the dark and then we had our awards, cer- awards ceremony. And probably the best part of the day for me was, we had some time while everybody was waiting for the numbers and everybody was starting to get a bit exhausted, frustrated, tired. Probably most people hadn't really eaten at all. The kids were getting grumpy, you know, that meltdown where kids are like, I need food. What are we doing? Where are we going? All, everybody was sunburned, mosquito bitten, dirty. And then Amanda Wise, who's uh, her and Jesse run the function, she just came up and said, you know, we have about another 20 minutes before we have the numbers. And I just was wondering if anybody would like to share their stories about Train to Hunt and how it's helped them. And of course, you know, Ryan's nudging me, nudging me. And I'm like, I'm not going to go up there. I'm not going to be the first one. I don't want to be the prima donna. 
he's nudging me and nudging me and you know everybody's looking around at each other like is somebody gonna start it I'm of course like fine I'll go up and talk so I went up and talked just about our story and how it's changed us and how it's changed me and competing and being part of that and then that just motivated other people to get up and talk you know it's it's like one person does it and then people start wanting to share and there there were a lot of wet eyes in the room there were a lot of people just really sharing their hearts and it tons of gratitude I mean so much gratitude going on it just makes you love the people involved with this so that was a great moment. We I've never seen that moment at Train to Hunt. And then we got our awards and everybody got it and then it was time to basically eat if you could or just pass out. And um but I would say it was a great experience to push myself. It's been a really long time since I've pushed myself to do something like that and it, it does feel really rewarding. And it is way easy to sprint up a mountain with no weight on your back. <laughs> Cuz I did it with Ryan on his and I was running in my jeans and my jean jacket and everything. And I was like, oh, this is really easy. A couple hours ago, this was horrible. But, you know, I had 30 pounds on my back. And it was about 20 degrees hotter, it felt like. So, uh, And then we were really fortunate because at this train to hunt, there was Christy Titus was there. And she was filming part of her series that she's launching actually June 6th, which is tomorrow. What's it called? Pursue the Wild. Pursue the Wild, yeah. Her brand and her her new um, her new series that she's starting on YouTube. You can go on there and you sub- subscribe. And she's had a really interesting story in the last year. Where, and she had to get a knee surgery and really coming back from a very complicated knee surgery uh, to be where she is. And she's filmed the whole process up to this train to hunt. And she competed... Uh, she completed with her partner Krista who's also a wilderness athlete athlete and they um, competed in women's teams and Christy ran it with like a knee brace on her you know she can push herself and this is the first time that I got to meet Christy and really I you know you guys know me I'm I haven't really been in the hunting world I haven't paid attention to all these people in it and since I started doing this with Ryan, I'm learning about people and their their brands and their platforms. And she's one of the women who really started the female movement in hunting. She's worked with Cabela's for years. She started some of the first uh, female uh, clothing lines for hunting. Uh, yeah, she's, she's a big ambassador for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. She's really involved with conservation. And if you're a hunter or an angler, you you probably know who Christy Titus is. But if you're new to our platform and you don't, I would say even if you don't hunt, she is a great ambassador for women doing things that they love and being really positive about it. She is so positive. Her positivity is, like, just contagious. I don't even see how you could be negative around her. <laughs> you know, people make negative comments, and then it's like she's just always making a positive comment. Yeah, I think at one point um, we were on the uh, 3D course, and, of course, like I mentioned, I was shooting horribly. And Christy walked by and said, how's it going? I said, well, it's a bad day of shooting. And uh, I don't remember exactly what she said, but 
if something like every day is a good day, right? <laughs> yeah. So, no, she's super positive. Uh, really, really fun to be around. And uh, a great gal to have at an event like this because um, she's just kind of brings up all the uh, all the added, you know, anybody who's having a, a bad time or, or whatever, like I was shooting poorly, um, she kind of puts a smile on your face when you get to talk to her, just kind of hear her talking. It's, it's pretty cool. We were lucky enough after uh, we Ryan got done done racing. Not not very long after he got done racing, uh, we are like, Chris. She agreed to do a podcast with us. It's it's short. It's not as long as we would have liked it to be because we had to get to the award ceremony and it was so late. But Christy is definitely somebody that you should you know have your daughters and your children and the women in your life to look up to her for a ambassador for what she loves and that's the great outdoors remember if you want to do a train to hunt nationals is in one month getting getting close to nationals there's not much time left i think there's uh there's a few events left but they're kind of scattered i know wyoming uh i think colorado um, and pennsylvania, pennsylvania wisconsin yeah. and then it will be nationals so don't you know if you're afraid you need to do it because you will overcome your fear really quick once you do it and um but we love train to hunt we had a great experience and we're gonna we're gonna head out and let you listen to christy now take care we are sitting here with christy titus in gilchrist oregon tiny town of gilchrist we've never been here before up in the mountains what are we at about five thousand feet no 35 yeah 3500 it's not bad yeah glad you guys made it down i love these things so that's what we're doing here folks we are at a train to hunt event in gilchrist oregon we just started doing train to hunt together and i started coming to these things and seeing people and meeting all these families and i just go gosh this is not a bunch of stupid rednecks because but yeah since doing this kind of thing you know i've been a hunter my whole life but it's kind of my life but all of a sudden, she's gotten mixed in with this crowd, you know, see, meeting folks like you and, and meeting folks here at these Train to Hunt events. And she's quickly realized how wrong she was all those years, thinking of hunters in a certain certain light. And now she's shooting foam animals and training and competing in a Train to Hunt herself. On the top shot on that pig, I got a five and I didn't range it. I was so excited because I'm not good at that. And, and my partner, she's like, we need to take a picture. And I'm like, I know, I'm like, huh? with this pig. And I, I saw the picture. I'm looking at it going, I cannot believe this is on my phone. That, that is me. I did that. So how could I say that's not me? Why is this on my phone? When I just did that. And I was proud of the fact that I practiced and I hit a five. I looked. These are the things that people don't think of when they see a picture. They just have that emotional reaction, which I used to have. And now I... I feel that it's it's a different feeling. But the thing is, this is where digital media is so empowering. And what I'm doing with my digital platform and a lot of people are doing is the media doesn't like to tell the narrative of how hunting is conservation, right? Like, so there's so many people outside looking in that look at it as a blood sport. Who is talking about the Pittman-Robertson Act, which is creating $371 million a year through the taxation of firearms, ammunition, and archery supplies that goes directly to conservation? 
hunters and anglers are paying tags, tag sales, license sales in the States alone are funding 75% of all of the conservation work that's done. You take the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation that is conserved or enhanced 7 million acres. They've opened access to a million acres. We are literally funding all of the people that are putting on their hiking boots and they're throwing on their backpacks and they're going in there looking at nature and they're enjoying trails and they're enjoying hiking, we're paying for it. And we are providing the platform. We generated the North American Wildlife Conservation Model, which is the only successful wildlife conservation model in the world, spearheaded by hunters. We are the reason that white-tailed deer numbers are at record high, turkey numbers are at record high. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, with a teaming up with other people are the reason that there's elk in states like Kentucky that are now huntable. Like we are doing this. And then even if you go into Africa, the wildlife in Africa exists because hunters put a value on wildlife so it doesn't just get annihilated and decimated. So people don't understand because the media does a really bad job of saying there's good that comes from selling guns legally. There's good that comes from hunters. And, and they don't like to tell that story because it doesn't feed the narrative, which is a slippery slope to anti-Second Amendment, anti-hunting rights. And when all of these things come together, it's just a leftist agenda that people are brainwashed. And it's it's happening in schools. It's happening in colleges. You know, you're, you grow up your kids on a ranch and they, they grow up understanding how a pig is raised or how, you know, a, a, a rabbits are raised and they go to fair and they, they sell these animals and they're sold for food or they raise money and they understand how this life process works. But then they go to college and they're liberally indoctrinized by schools. I mean, I'm in Oregon and it's one of the worst schools in the nation as far as having a liberal to conservative professor professor ratio. So they don't have a chance. So we out here have to create a community, which I'm really proud to be part of. And, and you and I were talking about this earlier too, how um, like as a female coming into this, when I started hunting, there was no women's apparel. There was no, it wasn't embraced by women to be part of it, but because women are now being welcomed and our community is recognizing the need for women and kids here. Um, we are able to educate and spread the word of the good that we're doing, and we're creating a family. I mean, everybody out there is technically competing against each other, but everybody out there sat on the line and watched everybody tow their weight and cheered them on, and when they were down, we felt it for them. You know, when we saw someone trip, we were like, oh, dang, get up, buddy. Like, you can do this. Like, we all have each other's backs, and... That is what's so awesome about what you guys are doing, about what I'm doing. Like, we are here to teach the world that we're different. And you're a prime example of that. Like, because I'm, I'm one of those educated, I spent almost 12 years of my life in higher education. Yeah. Okay. That's higher education. Oh, maybe 10 years in higher education. I owe a lot of money to the government because of that. And I have, most of my friends are all college educated cerebral people very smart and etc and i i had i had this preconception just like that and i and i lived with a hunter and i struggled with that because it was like i love this guy who does this thing that i'm supposedly not supposed to like but you're not sure if you can be proud of it the only reason she didn't know that she was supposed to like it is because she never tried it She'd never tried it. She didn't really want to understand it because, like you said, there, she was in a college. And they all had this, like, picture of anybody who is a friend of theirs 
would not do something like that. They wouldn't kill an animal. In the ways of real life, and the ways of, like, you had been talking about conservation, wildlife management, all these things, these are things that they don't think about. They have no conception of. Well, what I'm seeing now, because since we started our platform, is I have people in my life that are in that side and they're seeing me and they're going, wow, Hillary, you're, you're participating in this. You're now doing like a podcast on this topic with your husband. And we have other, you know, health and gardening. And we, we just believe in sustainable living. We, we homeschool our kids. We, we believe in nature. We believe in exercise. We believe in healthy food. We believe in spirituality. We believe in well-rounded people and we believe in community uh, even more so now because of train to hunt i think that's what solidified our lifestyle for us is that it brought in a community that maybe i didn't understand before so it made him very hard to be part of it you know it it was hard for us as a family to be part of that community and what's happening now is like all of a sudden people that you would think are anti quote-unquote they're messaging me they're saying, you, what you guys are doing is amazing. I've had colleagues, doctors that I went to school with, people that work at the university. They're like, will you and Ryan come do a talk at the university about hunting? Because there are actually people interested in this topic because they want to learn how to be paleo. They want to learn how to be sustainable. They want to do that, and they don't know where to start. And so when you start to see that, you can get really, you can fall into that political trap that, they want you to fall into. And what I see it as is a way to share that anybody can love people different than you. Number one, you can accept people different than you and work with people different than you. And you can actually learn something that maybe you thought you could never do and be okay with it. My group of friends, probably similar to yours, Christy, they've always hunted, you know, we love the mountains. That's what we do. I get a break. I'm either going fishing, I'm going hunting, I'm spending time outside. Whereas she's not, she's never been like that, but she's kind of seeing that now in a different light. And all the folks that have spent time with her and looked up to her are now seeing that, wow, she's getting involved. You know, she's already, she's, she's getting involved with these hunters and these groups of people and they're kind of seeing what we're doing and now they're opening their mind to it. They're not so, you know, hell bent on no hunting anti-hunting is hunting is bad this that they're all all of a sudden they're starting to see it as okay that's where meat comes from that's this is where food comes from this is more of a real life situation these people are growing their own food these people are killing their own food they're self-sustaining and like you're doing with the ladies out there you know you're super motivating to a lot of women who are getting into hunting um ladies that like you said, it didn't used to be so big. It is a booming market right now. I shouldn't say market, but like this culture, yeah, it's a growth, there, it's a there's so culture. many women getting into hunting right now, which I think is awesome because, you know, I heard a stat a long time ago. I can't remember the exact numbers, but you know, like for kids, say when the father hunts, you know, a lot of fifty percent recruitment, right? Less. And then when the lady hunts, like if the the wife or the mother hunts, it's sky high. It's it's off the charts. You know, the children are going to see that, and they're going to tend to recognize it as something. Especially female children. Like, I was lucky. I was raised in a household. My dad let me be a boy. Like, I've always been a boy. I joke with Aaron Schneider. 
that I'm half dude. Like it's like my joke, like hashtag half dude, still half dude. I clean up nice, but whatever. Um, like I have always been like this. I've never really had girlfriends and struggled in school fitting in horrible. I was a chunky kid, teased, tortured, which is what led me into bodybuilding and kind of being more aware of self. Um, but I never really fit in. Yeah. Now there's this community of women that I love and it's amazing to have found that because the first time in my life, I actually have girlfriends, quote unquote, instead of just buddies with all the guys, right? Like I have girlfriends and it's amazing. And I've met a great group of women and, you know, that are, that are all interested in the same things I'm interested. A lot of them are having babies and doing that, which I don't really understand, but cause I'm not a mother. Um, but, uh, they, we have other things that we can do together, you know, that we understand each other. And I was tuned out when it was like baby shower talk. I was like, Oh boy, I gotta go. They're talking about burping or something. I'm like, but I don't know. I gotta go. I'm like out. I'm out. I'm out. I don't have kids. I'm out. But so now it's like when women hunt, I'm like, Hey man, I got you. So I'm really excited. My digital series, which launches on Monday, pursue the wild. It's on YouTube. It's also on elk network through RMEF. Um, it's a lot of DIY public land hunting. And, you know, I, I went fishing for, um, steelhead with my cousin. I went turkey hunting with a guy who's like a brother to me. Um, my pilot is with me and my dad, public land elk hunting. But beyond that, I've created these relationships. So Rocky Jacobson from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is like a dad to me. So he and I, um, are doing a series of tips on, okay, how do you pick an elk diaphragm? Another series we're doing is how do you pick an elk bugle? Okay, well, now you've bought your first elk diaphragm. How do you make that first sound? What does that sound like? Because you're not going to pick it up, put it in your mouth, and sound like a cow elk. Or you're not going to be able to bugle. Like, how do you get from the package to success on the mountain? And so I'm trying to bridge that gap digitally with my series. I'm really excited about it. Um, everything is, I'm really trying for it to be organic and genuine to what I know, what I'm comfortable with. And when I don't know something, finding somebody who knows it. Like if, if there, this is kind of what launched my career in the first place. I feel like if there's something that I'm hungry to know, there's other people out there that are also going to have the thirst for that information. And, um, I have a lot of information to share for women, especially and men, anybody. Um, so that's, that's what I'm doing. So like, I'm going to be releasing two pieces of content a week like this week is my pilot for elk. Last week I launched the how to pick an elk diaphragm, how to pick a bugle, and then I'm going to roll into making basic sounds, advanced cow sounds, advanced bull sounds. I'm going to do turkey hunting, rolling into cooking. I'm doing um, the Wilderness Athlete Cookbook. I've digitized and we're doing um, these really quick hyperlapse videos of cooking segments. So I'm trying to show field to fork and Everything that goes into before you even get to the field. So I'm here filming Train to Hunt. I filmed a shooting school at FTW Ranch last week in Texas. Um, I'm showing it all. I want people to understand that this is a movement. It's a culture. It's a lifestyle. We're a community. We're a family. We're not about being on the mountain with our rifle and just shooting a deer. Um, and everybody loves to use the term Bambi. Can't stand it. But it's often said, right? Like that's not what we're about. And so I really want to show people the culture and really what goes behind the success. Like if you grab your bow and you go on the mountain and you want to hunt elk and the winds at your back and the bulls below you, like you're not going to be successful, bro. Like let me enlighten you on some things. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And, um, 
so I'm hoping to educate and empower and inspire. And I'm, I'm hoping that people come to me is like, how do I do this? Well, Christy might have something on her YouTube. Okay. How to call in an elk, how to use an elk diaphragm, how to do whatever. And hopefully I have a good answer for people or I'm working towards building an answer. And if somebody has something they want to learn how to do, I'm hoping they ask me like, Hey, how do we do this? And I can help provide that answer digitally, you know, um, which is going to create an even larger community. And that's, that's, what's so cool about what you're doing. It's bringing folks that don't know to something that's, you're making it obviously user-friendly, something they can get access to very simply. Some people know, but like Aaron from Kafara, what a great guy. He makes how many different backpacks, extended stay backpacks? Like, how do you pick one, right? Like, (laughs) where do you even start? Like, I'm a midget. I had a hard time finding a pack. How do I even find one that will find, that will fit me and make my trip comfortable? Because being miserable with a pack that doesn't fit you right ruins your life on the mountain. And there's all these things that you don't think about um, that really people can learn from. What happened to your knee? I tore my PCL ligament in half, which is the ligament that connects your femur to your tibia. So like if I worked a banking job, they wouldn't even fix it because most people don't stress their body that much. But with us, with a backpack, if that rocks and shifts, like we can go down in a bad spot. And so it's, they don't like to do the PCL because it's behind the knee. Where an ACL is in front of the knee, they go in, it's clean, there's no blood, they're in and out done. PCL is behind the knee and there's arteries and nerves. So one of the things that they're like, Hey, this is a high risk surgery. So if anything goes wrong, you could lose sensation in your leg from your knee down. Like you could bleed out on the table. Like these are, it's a, it's a riskier location just because it's such a small area and they're putting six holes into that area. So you have six chances of whoops and it's just a surgery they don't like to do. So if they don't have to, they won't. Like most people just opt out. And I was like, I can't live. Like I know a guy named Brett Guyman. I saw him at Hunt Expo. He's a good friend of mine. And he can literally take his leg like this and go and push his leg back. And it rocks backwards. And I'm like, there is no way I'm living with that. Like, no. He does it. I'm terrified. You know, like, uh-uh. So I didn't do it. I had it and fixed it. How long have you been? Three months, but I was a month in bed. So if I wasn't, so I waited six weeks to get it done or nine weeks. I don't even know. Um, I can't remember. Six weeks. But right after I had it done, if I wasn't like walking to the kitchen on crutches, because I was on crutches for seven weeks. um, If I wasn't walking to the kitchen or going to the bathroom, I had to have it elevated and on ice. So I literally was in bed for a month. (laughs) Like brutal I couldn't drive because it's my right leg yeah I was like mommy couldn't put a push a grocery cart like all these little things like you take for granted like your health your life right it's very humbling very humbling it was hard like the first time I walked in physical therapy without crutches and I was like okay you're gonna take steps I literally leaked tears out of my eyes like I wasn't like crying like (gasps) but like I cried uncontrollably like it's a hard like I wasn't like sobbing but I had tears literally just coming out of my eyes because I'd been so long since I was had walked you know it was like oh my gosh I'm gonna do things again and I'm gonna live and it was really a weird feeling um 
Like I'm like trying, I was trying to suck it up. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, oh. But I was so overjoyed just to walk, you know, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. So when I edit this episode, it's going to show, I actually, my doctor, I planned this before my surgery. My doctor, I have the crash on my iPhone, which is horrible footage, but I'll use it. And then I have the doctor who videoed my surgery for me. And I have the video of the surgery. And then our, the first time I went to physical therapy, which was five days post-op, and they took my bandage off for the first time. And I saw it. I have that all filmed. I have it filmed me learning to walk with crutches. I have it filmed me learning to walk without crutches. I have it filmed with them pushing my leg because my leg froze. And it was bent like this. So literally what I've gone through is a woman laying on my leg and forcing it to bend under heavy pain medication, which for me is a half a pain pill. So I'd, I mean, I'd get so sick, deathly ill from them. So she would go in there and she would push on my leg for two hours until, I mean, to the point of me crying and then back it off and then push on it to the point of me crying and then back it off. And then after she bent it, then we had to force it to straighten because then once it would bend, it wouldn't straighten. So I have like this whole documentary of like this, what I've been through to get there. And I'm hoping people are inspired by it. Krista's got her own journey too. She was born a 10 pound baby and, um, was caught in the birth canal and the doctor crushed her shoulder. And so some people that have what she has can't even like their arm is frozen to their side. They can't even move it. So she gets beat up on social media a lot because when she draws her bow, she can't draw properly. Well, she has a disability, like a physical disability. The fact that she can even draw a bow is like a miracle. Like she's learned to adapt, improvise, overcome, strength train. Mm -mm. No, she can't do any of that. So... Her and I both, you know, and plus she had a baby a year ago, you know, and like I wanted to tell like the story of that hopefully is inspirational to people overcoming a lot of things like motherhood and injury or genetic or birth, birth injuries, you know, things like that. So, you know, you can figure things out and not stop living. You're a doctor, right? Yes. Of? I'm a naturopathic physician. Awesome. So... I specialize, I've worked for 10 years in like structural therapy, um, pain management, breathing disorder, that head trauma stuff. Uh, but I do do primary care and I'm, I'm working more into, um, over the last few years, I've just been doing a lot more lifestyle. So you know all about my knee then when I said PCL, you know, the risks of that yeah, surgery. Like, yeah, I think sometimes I, you know, I, I should have gone into a uh, surgery, you know, medical surgery and stuff, but I just don't like the lifestyle. It's way too stressful. And I like working with people in their, the lifestyle, um, lifestyle medicine. You know, I take people that come to me and they got high cholesterol and they got diabetes and all these problems. And they want a pill. And yeah, but you know, usually when they come to me now, they've had the pills and they're on plethora of meds and they're like it's not working and I said well it's your lifestyle change things and are you willing to work at it because this doesn't happen overnight you know and it within a year you could be different and so that's kind of the people that I like to work with they have to be able to see the benefit without feeling it daily like they have to be able to be in it for the long game and it's 
it's not a common uh, thought process anymore in our culture because we have so so much immediate gratification. People, it's you know, it's like looking at your social media or whatever. There's you get that dopamine rush and you get that bit of norepinephrine or adrenaline. It's constant, so things be, it comes be, becomes harder to get people motivated for the long term because they want everything now. Because which is where hunting is great. They teach, it teaches delayed gratification, it teaches ethics, it teaches all these kinds of great things that are being lost. So that, that's a big change. And for patients, it's the same deal. They've been tuned into this thing now that give me a medication and it'll fix it now. Well, yeah, if your blood pressure is like 200 over 150, you better believe I'm going to put you on a medication because you're about ready to have a stroke. But I don't want you to be on that forever. Why do you have a blood pressure like that? So over the time, we need to work on that. And hopefully you'll be able to get off that medication. And the whole idea that as you get older and that we, we need to polypharmacy everybody, it's insane. It's, it's literally malpractice, you know, to be, to be giving people all these medications to cover up symptoms, to cover up problems. And you're really not getting to the root of it. And what we don't have in society anymore is internal quiet. That's what nature does for people, right? People are running around with so much crap in their heads they cannot get rid of. And that is why I've just gotten drawn into what Ryan's doing now and seeing all these people doing this. And it's not killing something. It's so much more than that. And I really don't think people are that far apart. You know, we all like to separate ourselves into these groups. But I agree. And I, I mean, there's nothing more spiritual than being on the mountain and there's nothing more rewarding than spending time with your friends and family on the mountain and the bonds that, that are created, the memories that are created are forever. And that's why we do what we do. Last beyond a lifetime. You always remember the stories of grandpa and dad and mom and sister and brother and husband and wife. And it's so spiritually rewarding being out there with people you love. And you come to love people that you had never even met. You make new friends. And it's a very uniting, like this event, the Train to Hunt event. It's a community. It's about friendships and laughter and supporting each other. And yeah, it is very therapeutic. It's the best therapy ever, you guys. I'm proud of you, girl. You did a great job today. We, yeah, this is both of our first one. It was hot and it was like hard and it was, it was great. So we're going to do it again next year. We got to go to the award ceremony. Yep. We're going right now. Thanks, Christy. It was awesome. Thank you. Hey folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at StahealthyHunter, that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also tag your photos, Hunt Harvest Health, or Get Stealthy, as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.